Recent trade news from the White House has farmers across the country at least trying to be optimistic that some relief might be in sight. President Trump recently announced that his administration reached an agreement in principle with Japan. This is great news for farm country. Japan is our third largest agricultural export market and the United States exported $13 billion in farm products to Japan just last year. Finalizing a trade deal with Japan and getting the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, NAFTA 2.0, across the finish line will be critical to expanding opportunities for farm exports. And delivering these items on President's trade agenda this fall could, we hope, revitalize rural America. Here today to talk more about these issues is one of America's top trade attorneys specializing in agricultural law. His name is John Gilliland. John, thank you for joining me. First of all, farm exports have received a lot of attention lately. Why is it? Why have agricultural products been such a large part of the trade conversation? We've been a part of the trade conversation really for two reasons, and both of them relate to the importance, frankly, of agriculture in markets and in politics. Uh, first, U.S. agriculture exporters were on the front lines of the tariff wars. Uh, U.S. ag exports are competitive. And we historically in the United States have a sizable trade surplus in agriculture, unlike uh, trade in other uh, industrial goods or other goods. And so when the U.S. started raising tariffs on products from other countries, they naturally, those other countries naturally targeted U.S. agriculture for retaliation. And second, agriculture is a politically potent sector. Uh, it's a sensitive issue in our import markets, and it's a sensitive issue here in the United States. So uh, China and other countries know that by targeting our farm exports, they could try to put the squeeze on the U.S. negotiators. So let's talk a little bit about Japan. So details on this proposed Japan agreement haven't yet been released, but what are some of the key provisions or what are some of the commodities that might be most effective? What can we expect there? Uh, Tom, you're right. Uh, we, we don't yet know the details. Uh, so you know, we have to keep in mind that we are speculating about what we might see in this deal. But I think Given what the U.S. objectives were going into it, we should expect uh, the deal, the, at least the way they've talked about it publicly, that it would look um, a lot like or pretty close to what we would have gotten in the revised TPP, which is now called the CPTPP, yeah. uh, an agreement that all the remaining countries had reached. Uh, again, remembering that part of the objective for the U.S. and Japan was to get U.S. farm exports on an equal footing with these other countries, and these would include you know, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. Uh, Senator Grassley uh, of Iowa, chairman of the Finance Committee, had said in late August that he expected this new deal to get us to about 90% of what we lost when the U.S. pulled out of TPP. Uh, so, you know, that combined with what uh, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer has, has highlighted, we would expect that some of the key beneficiaries of the deal would be beef, pork, uh, wheat, dairy, as well. Uh, a couple of others he'd mentioned would include ethanol. Um, you, know, you look at some of the specific commodities, you look at beef, for example. Uh, Japan has a tariff on uh, beef uh, of just above 38%. And in this revised TPP, they would bring those tariffs down for the beneficiary countries to 27%. So, you know, a, a fairly sizable drop. We would look for tariffs on U.S. beef uh, to come down to, to that level. Uh, same on pork. You know, Japan is our largest uh, U.S. export market by value. Uh, and Japan imposes tariffs both above and below um, an entry gate uh, price. And we would expect those tariffs to come down. Uh, for wheat, 
Japan has, as a part of the TPP or the CPTPP, agreed to reduce uh, a resale markup that they have in place by as much as 45% over nine years. And, and, and it's really important for U.S. wheat growers then to start taking advantage of that uh, re- reduction in the resale markup because right now that those benefits are going to wheat exporters from Canada and Australia. And so at this point, they're starting to enjoy the benefit of that reduction. We want to make sure our exporters get there as well. On dairy, you're looking at uh, making sure that we're preserving access for the array of, of cheese and ingredient products, all of which have different quota amounts. We want to see reductions in those tariffs and we want to see increases in those, those, those quota amounts. And, and you're hitting it right on the head. And thank you for being so uh, specific when talking about beef and pork and corn and wheat and, and dairy. Those are high value markets. Uh, obviously, a lot of opportunity. Just ask, obviously, we were talking about TPP a couple years ago, actually, in this presidential election before uh, President Trump was elected. It was a big part of the primary debates in both the Democratic primary and the Republican primary. Um, but why is it so important that, that we get this deal with Japan done now? Have we actually lost some of this market over the last few years, not being part of that TPP? Well, that's the concern. Uh, this new revised TPP was ratified by most of the countries and went into effect uh, by last December. And so those tariff phase-downs, that market access advantage that farmers in Canada and Australia and New Zealand, those, th- that advantage began at the, uh, early 2019. And then they would start seeing further tariff phase-outs in 2020. So we're already losing that market access advantage. You know, they talked about getting that first access advantage uh, in Canada, and that's what we're, we're worried about. But we have to also look over at the European Union, which has negotiated its own agreement with Japan. So getting this deal with Japan now is really designed to make sure we don't lose any further advantage to exports in those countries, that we can keep what we already have, for example, in dairy, uh, yeah. an important market. Um, and then start to build with those other countries. With every passing year that goes by, that we lose that um, that advantage or have that disadvantage, so to speak, it gets that much harder to get that access back. So that's the game we're playing. That's really good information. Thank you. And and uh, obviously that you know it provides a good basis for for uh, a reason to be optimistic that that we are actually uh, back at the table and and that a. Uh, that an agreement is is supposedly pending, and certainly we should all uh, hold the administration's uh, 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 feet to the fire on that, and, and look look and expect uh, something to be to be accomplished there. Let's talk just a little bit about uh, USMCA, the another obviously very pressing trade pact. Talk a little bit about just the prospects as Congress reconvenes this week, comes back for its fall session. Uh, what are the prospects for getting USMCA passed? Well, sure. I mean, the USMCA is important uh, for a couple of reasons, but first and foremost, because it would give us much needed market certainty. You know, with so much else happening in the agriculture sector, not only in our export markets, but here at home, it's important to know that the access and the markets we've had under NAFTA are going to remain in place. Uh, you know, the renegotiation of NAFTA, it unfortunately injected an element of uncertainty at a time when we were starting to see retaliatory tariffs in these other markets. Um, the threat of natural withdrawal was in the air in the past. I, I don't hear talk about it now, but of course, that's been out there. We're now at a point where we can get the USMCA uh, implemented and get it in place. And it's going to be important for farmers to know that that's there so that our markets know that 
uh, our market buyers know that those markets are open. Our sellers know those markets are open as well. Now, the USMCA also offers additional benefits above and beyond NAFTA, too. Uh, for example, uh, Canada uh, in its supply management commodities, dairy, poultry, uh, eggs, for example. So our U.S. exports of those commodities are going to benefit. Canada has agreed to make changes in its grading standards for wheat. That's important. So there are also those additional benefits that we'll see. So um, for a couple of reasons, but really it's the market certainty. So we've covered some ground, but obviously the big elephant in the room is China. And we've been in what President Trump has described as a trade war there. Could you tell us just how negotiations, negotiations with China are going and, and uh, what should we be watching? What should we be watching for on that, on that front? Well, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long, dry summer uh, with regard to the talks. But I think, you know, we're already seeing the first thing we want to see, and that is that the two sides are engaging again. Uh, that's the most important thing, yeah. seeing senior-level negotiators at the table talking. And we're now expecting China's senior negotiating team uh, into Washington early October. Uh, Lower-level talks uh, are already underway and will continue until their team is here. And this is an important development because that's what's been missing for the last you know, about three months, uh, that engagement. And, you know, when, when the two sides are talking from a distance, uh, it, it's hard to really make much progress on, some, uh, on a set of issues as serious and as deep as these. Yeah. Um, the kinds of things we'll look for from those talks, uh, obviously signs of conciliation from both sides. It would be great to hear uh, China talk more about purchasing U.S. ag products, even if we probably shouldn't expect uh, any uh, deep concessions on tariffs in the short term. Uh, but those signs of, of, of uh, early concessions, uh, an effort by both sides to, to, to start working back towards a deal rather than away from a deal. How are you feeling just on a, in a general sense of, you know, could this get us to a better place in the long term? We're obviously experiencing a lot of near-term uh, uh, kind of pain and, and, and what feels like chaos at times. But how do you feel about where this thing is going? We are at the center of every one of these negotiations because we matter. And because we matter, uh, I, I feel confident and optimistic that at the end of the day, these types of agreements, for them to come back to Washington with agreement, it's going to have to work for agriculture. And that's true whether you're talking about a Republican administration or a Democratic administration, whether you're talking about uh, Japan or China or the USMCA. We are an important part of these, topic, these talks because of the outsized importance we have to the U.S. economy. And so at the end of the day, our negotiators are going to want to bring back a good deal for us. I'm also confident, uh, optimistic, because I know Congress has, you know, they have shown time and again that Congress is going to stick up for, for U.S. farmers. We're going to be at the front, of the, at front and center of these talks, and, and that gives me reason for optimism. Thank you, John, for sharing those really deep and incredible insights with me, with our audience today. It's clear that trade has a deep impact on the rural economy. And, and honestly, I think it's important that we have deeper discussions just like this on the technicalities, the complexities of negotiating these trade agreements, um, rather than just dealing in on the, on the surface level. We all need to, we need more markets. We need to expand markets, that's clear. We certainly hope trade negotiators are able to continue forging a positive path forward for the benefit of America's farmers and ranchers. It's critical. Certainly, regardless of, of whether we agree with the approach, we've also got to be grateful uh, that this administration has continued to, to provide trade aid uh, to support the American farmer through these difficult times. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Groundwork. Be sure to check out other episodes at farmpolicyfacts.com. I'm Tom Sell.